and welcome to Brody Sports Talk. It is Season 3, Episode 77, and it is Fantastic Fantasy Friday. I am your host, Caleb Walgren, and I am joined by my two regular co-hosts, Sean and Derek. And Folks. Uh, we have a special guest with us as well. If you've noticed on YouTube, we have a fourth screen there, and that is for Kevin Tompkins. He is going to be our fantasy expert today because if you've heard how I'm doing in several leagues, you probably don't want to hear my fantasy <laughs> advice. I don't want any of your fantasy advice anymore <laughs> ever again. I have I have a, an inkling of what I should do, and then I'll ask you, like, you know what, Caleb is going to give me some insight, and you'll tell me something. I'm like, yeah, I guess I understand the merit of it, and I do it, and it backfires tremendously, and then I hate you. So that's, that's where we are. Where we stand. So to restore Sean and I's friendship, uh, Kevin Tompkins is here, and he is a writer for Ball Blast Football. He puts out a weekly data blast as far as giving you all the data you need on receivers. We are going to go ahead and make sure we share that from our Brody Talk Twitter account. So if you follow us there, you're going to see that coming up in our stream. Uh, Kevin, uh, what did I miss? What, what else do we need to, to tell people about you? Um, everything sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate uh, being able to rap with you guys about fantasy here. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ktompkinsii. Uh, like you did say, uh, I do write. I'm a staff writer for ballblastfootball.com. Um, also do work um, at the flagship at fightingchancefantasy.com as well as an editor. Um, but, yes, yeah, so you can find the Data Blast uh, every Thursday morning. You can also find... Uh, the data blast for Thursday night football um, on Friday afternoons. So uh, make, making sure to get that all out. I'm going to have a companion spreadsheet coming out in the next, uh, I want to say week or two, uh, depending on the timing of everything. Um, they did summon me for jury duty. So that's going to, that's going to kind of, yeah, it's going to eat in a little bit of that, but um, hopefully next week or two, we'll put that out and I will, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, make sure, you know, you're keeping up to date, and I will keep you up to date on all that. Excellent. So, uh, first things first, we are talking about week six in fantasy football. So, this is your official public service announcement from the Brodies to remove players from the Falcons, 49ers, Saints, and Jets from your starting lineup. That would probably be, you know, Kyle Pitts, Debo Samuel. Uh, those type of guys, Kamara. If you have him, you you're you're gonna want to get him out this week. Not my job. I wouldn't say that it's the biggest fantasy hit to your lineups as far as a group of teams taking a bye, but at the same time, any impact feels like a big one at times. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go back to week five for a little bit though. Let's uh, do some quick recaps. So first off, uh, we have our guillotine league that we've put together. And uh, Sean and I are still surviving. Uh, granted, it helps that I made it a super flex, and Sean has Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady, and they just went absolutely ham for him this week. Yeah. So can't complain. He is surviving, and you know, I I keep doing enough on a weekly basis. I don't know that I would say I have the best team. I'm currently hurting because David Montgomery's on IR, and it was. Fob and I didn't really get anyone behind him and now I have Cordero Patterson on a bye this week so we'll see if I continue to survive that uh, Sean what's the, the latest in your dynasty league I know some of your guys listen to this 
Uh, I put out that passionate trade request for you last week. Uh, how How's it going? Well, I lost to the guy that uh, hadn't won yet, so that's how it went. Um, I made great decisions, uh, great decisions that backfired tremendously. Um, I, you know, I thought surely, you know, surely Miami's defense is going to step up here. Uh, but they didn't. And so I ended up starting Rogers over Brady. That didn't work. Um, AJ Green over Cortland Sutton. That didn't work. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I figured, you know what? Trey Lance is probably going to get bullied by Arizona. So I threw them in there instead of the bills and that didn't work. Uh, and of course, uh, Jonathan Taylor decided to actually do something, uh, and that was basically who I needed not to do something to win that game. And so, yeah, now I am, I am in dire straits after basically mortgaging my future uh, for for next season. So, we'll uh, well, thankfully, I'm going up against somebody who's been like my next like three weeks are you know back to back to back teams that are injury riddled. So hopefully I'm able to stabilize a little bit more from that. And uh, I still feel like my roster is a well above average enough roster and it's early enough in the season that I don't think I'm out of, out of things just yet. Absolutely. And last but not least in our podcast league, we went up against the feeling lucky pod this week. They threw down some big numbers. Uh, Alexander Madison, Najee Harris, Devontae Adams, Michael Pittman it went from uh, bad to worse. We had Josh Allen, but it wasn't enough. So uh, bad things continue to happen to us in that league. I think that I just talk about it every week because we said in the group that we would, and it keeps being a bad thing. <laughs> I actually thought we were like, this was the week, right? That this was, this was the week that something started to happen, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if our if our draft strategy was as sound as, as it needed I to mean, be. I tried to do zero RB for the first time, and I think that I failed. So uh, that's on me. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move over to the actual player performances from this past week. We're talking about fantasy studs because we need to cheer up a little bit from that last conversation. My stud of the week is Josh Allen. I already mentioned him, but man, was he electric. Uh, you know, everyone's leagues vary as far as how many points they get. In the league I was playing him in, he got more points for big plays. So I think I ended up getting something like a 43 out of him, which is just a fantastic number. Uh, Kevin, what, who do you have as far as like a fantasy stud from this past week? Um, if you were lucky enough to get Kadarius Tony um, on on your rosters, you, and you started him, so you know with a lot of wide receiver injuries, you know Kadarius Tony looked fantastic. Uh, he's been earning targets at an increased rate. Um, you know he's dynamic after the catch. Um, you know he with the injuries to Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, there was room for him to be able to earn targets. And you know a lot was said about the Giants. 
moving up to draft Kadarius Tony. Uh, we know that Urban Meyer wanted Kadarius Tony, and we're saying thank God now that Urban Meyer did not ruin him uh, and, and steal this kind of moment. Because uh, Kadarius Tony, while he earned double-digit targets last week, this week he put it all together um, and then had the best performance of his you know young career and also the worst because he got ejected for throwing a punch. So, you know, if anybody can, I guess, can add some punch into that Giants offense, uh, it's going to be Kadarius Tony right now with Saquon Barkley, uh, maybe week to week here with that uh, ankle injury. But Kadarius Tony, if you picked up on him, you could have a top 24 wide receiver the rest of the way. It, don't punch people who wear helmets. That, that's all I can really say about that. It, that advice for life. Yeah. So I got to ask you a question then. How do you feel with like Slade and Shepard coming back uh, as far as their prospects go? With this, um, with this Slayton, performance. Right, right. I think it's going to be hard to keep Tony off the field. I mean, Darius Slayton wasn't really earning, getting on the field and running a lot of routes anyway. Um, Shepard was clearly the star of the first couple weeks. Um, then he got hurt. Engram came back. Kenny Galladay's now... You know, that, that whole offense is banged up right now. We were starting to get, you know, what was this Giants team going to look like now that everybody was starting to come back? They were getting all these pieces back. Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Engram coming back, Daniel Jones tied all together. Now, it's pretty much in shambles right now. You're looking at Kadarius Toney, um, you know, and then all these other random guys there. We'll see what happens, you know, with Galladay and his, his injuries, if Shepard and Slayton are going to come back one or the other. But... It's really hard after this performance to keep Kadarius Tony off the field. Um, so, uh, like I said, I like him to be able to, you know, I don't think he's going to be running, you know, a gigantic amount of routes because um, you you want these guys that run 80% of the routes on the field. He might probably stick in that 65 to 70%, but if he's going to be earning targets, which he's definitely done, um, you know, he's he reminds me of... of you know, early, early Tyreek Hill as far as his impact immediately on the field. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Tyreek Hill. There's only one Tyreek Hill, but that's the kind of impact that he potentially could have to this Giants offense that desperately needs um, athleticism and just just raw talent. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, Derek, who was your fantasy stud this past week? So I was lucky enough to have uh lamar jackson on my fantasy i have two i have him in in, in two different leagues and uh got very lucky let's put it that way i I knew he was going to be a consistent point scorer but putting up uh 37 fourth 43 442 through the air four touchdowns um carrying it for 14 times for 62 on the ground um, he put together a Monday night football that uh, if you if you didn't watch it live, you should definitely go back and watch the highlights of it because uh, Lamar Jackson is a human highlight reel. And I I don't know how you stop him. Like everyone, you've got to you've got to circle that that date on your calendar of when the Ravens are coming to town. And you would think at some point in time, someone would be able to stop him. But week after week, he seems to be doing the same thing he did in his MVP season. I think is uh, just the way that he's elusive is so much different than any other quarterback. Um, sure. The way that he makes people like subtly miss is something you really, I mean, you've seen a lot of running quarterbacks over the last 15, 20 years, but I don't think anybody really makes people just have that split second, like judgment call that makes them hesitate just enough 
for him to be able to get that extra couple of yards or extend a play just a little bit more. Uh, mine this week, unfortunately, who, like I said, just resulted in me losing yet another dynasty week is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, this is the second week he's really, um, I, I think, emerged as a consistent big points threat after a really, really awful, awful start to the season. Uh, 15 carries, 53 yards, touchdown on the ground, and he had that big 73-yard reception for touchdown, like right off the bat. That was like the first thing I saw, and I was like, okay, well, I've lost this week. Uh, I mean, in my uh, – it's a it's a full PPR, 31.9 points. Uh, he was the top-scoring running back PPR this week, and I, I think he's hitting his stride just like at the right time. Uh, I mean, he torched Miami as well, and, I mean, he's – going to be playing the Texans who just really haven't been putting anything together uh completely so I think the sky's the limit for uh for this kid this year I mean the Colts are getting ready to go into their cloud schedule so uh that's what I dubbed it before the season Kevin I don't know how familiar you are with old episodes but basically we said the first five weeks for the Colts is just dreadful and then after that it's like light and feathery like a cloud yeah, I mean, I mean, Taylor looked fantastic in that in that long reception where he just weaved through. But um, you know, on the ground is still a little bit concerning because he was pr- a little bit inefficient. Uh, and then the usage was just weird throughout the game, where um, you know they they gave Marlon Mack a lot of carries, um, you know, sprinkled in the second quarter, and then getting into the fourth, he had some nice runs. But you know, that could have been just a Jonathan Taylor game. I don't know if they're trying to showcase Marlon Mack for a potential trade. Um, I know Kansas City is kind of trying to kick the tires on him that could be something to um think about there maybe the, you know maybe that happens but um you know Jonathan Taylor we know he has all the ability uh to be an explosive runner with volume um it's just a matter of can they actually give him the ball and let him do what he needs to do they're always going to mix in Naheem Hines they're always going to you know Carson Wentz has a couple you know those off script runs but Jonathan Taylor needs to be the focal point of this offense and then build that off of, you know, build the passing game off of his back, you know, with play action. Um, I think that's how they're going to be successful. They have the offensive line to do it. Um, for just some reason, they they don't want to go full steam ahead with Taylor. And that that's the what you don't want, you know, because you drafted Taylor in the middle or to the late of the first round, and you're making that bet that Jonathan Taylor can get that second-year leap um, to, to be a generational type, you know, I'm going to select him with the top two overall picks next year. Um, and right now we haven't seen that. We've seen flashes of it. It's just going to take a commitment from Frank Reich and um, everybody else there to, to be able to just put games on his back. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So do you think that um, you saw anything from Indianapolis over the last few weeks where they're trying to showcase Carson Wentz on a couple of wins that they've had over the last few weeks where it's kind of saying, Hey, we traded for this guy and we're going to, you know, Hey, look at us. We, we did it. We did it right. We're, we're rehabilitating Carson's image um, cause he didn't do so well for Philadelphia. Do you think there's anything with that? Uh, and then they're going to switch over to more of a run heavy offense or, or are you seeing anything like that? Well, it helps to have Michael Pittman there to be able to just throw a ball to a 6-4 target. Uh, right now, I mean, they have Mo Alley-Cox for a couple, but really they're just 
they spread their targets throughout everybody else on the offense. Um, and really Pittman is the alpha of that uh, till they, you know, who knows when they get T.Y. Hilton back, but um, you know, to, Wentz had a really good game. I mean, despite the the choke job that whole team did against Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. I mean, that was pretty much those two. Um, but and then Marquise Brown. But yeah, uh, Wentz looked pretty good. And I think, you know, for him to be successful, I mean, I was very in on Carson Wentz at the beginning of the year because this is the best offensive line he's played behind, um, the best offensive environment familiarity with Frank Reich. You know, he has these weapons, you know, he had Alshon Jeffrey in Philadelphia. And I would say Michael Pittman is probably as a younger, you know, he's not going to beat you with speed, but he's going to have a high catch radius. He's a big target. You know, it's hard to miss a guy like that, but you know, I think Carson Wentz can be very successful in this offense. Jonathan Taylor is going to certainly help that if they're able to ride him a little bit and then let Wentz kind of play off of that. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be a condensed target share like you would see in like Minnesota or Seattle where they're going to just hyper target two guys or three guys. But Michael Pittman's going to be there, be the alpha. You know, you're always going to see these Jack Doyles and Paris Campbells, Zach Pascals work in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like Wentz. I just don't know if he's anything more than a matchup uh, dependent, you know, kind of bi-week fill-in guy. I can agree Absolutely. to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is our, our resident Eagles fan, so he, he totally gets Wentz and uh, the love-hate relationship there. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and go to our, our fantasy duds for week five. Uh, I'll go ahead and kickstart that one with the the team that looked like they didn't really kickstart uh until like the third or fourth quarter which is Corey davis uh from the new york jets uh if you were up early watching the london game you saw a lot of the falcons offense because the jets offense has been bad this year and really bad in the first half Corey davis just i don't think that he's the problem i just think that the jets offense is the problem and I don't know that you can really rely on anyone too terribly much in that offense for consistency until they get more snaps and actually score more points. So Corey Davis is my dud of the week. I thought that the Jets were going to do something against Atlanta, and they definitely did not. Yeah, that, that offense just looks just really messy. Um, you know, Corey Davis, obviously, I was big on Elijah Moore, and I just, with Zach Wilson right now, I don't trust anything else in that offense, maybe outside of, like, Michael Carter in, in a flex capacity. But um, even, even Crowder, who I was, you know, he came in for his first game uh, the week before and, you know, came out with a bunch of targets, you know, had a really good PPR game. You know, even he didn't really do anything. So it's hard to bank on anything in this passing game right now. Um, you know, I'm just going to kind of leave that whole mess alone right now unless we see some, you know, actual tangible improvement from Zach Wilson. Um, just hands off. Uh, Derek, who's your uh, fantasy dead from week five? Yeah, so looking at the, the quote-unquote stat line for the Browns defense, if you're telling me they're going to get two sacks, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery – I'm going to tell you that the Browns probably gave you some pretty good points. Uh, on the other hand, they ha they gave up 47 points. So altogether, I got two points for the Browns defense. Um, that I think they're a very good defense, but the Chargers just uh, just had a, a better offense this week. 
yeah, really no argument for me there. The I think that they, like you said, they can go get sacks, they can turn the ball over, but uh, them, you know, dragging Eckler into the end zone does, I mean, I don't know that it even makes a difference in fantasy at that point because it's already so many points, but it probably didn't feel any better. So, uh, Sean, who do you have as a, a dud this week? So I'm, and this is probably going to continue on for a good portion of this season. I'm going with Devin Singletary. So the running back situation with the Bills is always wonky, right? Uh, Zach Moss is always a boomer bust, but generally for the last, like especially last season, uh, Singletary was the one who got most of the looks. He was the one who on paper looked better, and Moss was the feast or famine guy. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've seen Singletary really begin to take a notable back seat. Uh, and this week, he was not good at all. This was easily his worst output of the season. Um, I mean, so looking at it, uh, six carries, 25 yards. Uh, and then he was targeted twice with a reception for a loss of two yards. Uh, whereas if you compare that with Moss, you're really seeing, I think, a transition in this offense. This is a very pass-heavy, pass-first. <clears throat> Josh Allen makes the plays and... It seems as though Zach Moss is better equipped to excel in that type of offense. He's definitely not a safe play. He's still going to continue to be that feast or famine guy. But Singletary just doesn't get the red zone looks. And Moss has just simply looked better. So uh, I think Singletary is my dud of the week. And he's probably going to continue to be a bit duddish for the remainder of the season if things continue to traject this way. Yeah, I like that word duddish, by the way. I'm going to start using that. But uh, yeah, Moss is definitely, you know, at the forefront right now. He played a season-high snap share. Uh, you know, he, he ran routes on 60% of dropbacks, too, to just 27% for Singletary. So it, the Bills are definitely focusing in more on Moss being able to do a lot more than Singletary can. Singletary's a, a fantastically elusive running back. I mean, that's... Uh, the metrics have him as he's a top five, um, you know, elusive rating over at Rotoviz. Um, but as far as Zach Moss, you know, this is a guy who he, he was able to show his pass catching chops when he was at Utah. Uh, that's that's why they drafted him. They wanted to be, him to be that hammer, but have better hands than, than, than people realize. And, you know, they're starting to, um, you know, utilize him more in that regard. I mean, 11 carries, four targets. I mean, you really can't beat that. So. Um, you know, I, I'm totally fine with Zach Moss as a low end RB two. Um, you know, the Bills are we know the Bills are going to live, um, you know, in the red zone. So even though that whole the whole narrative of Josh Allen's going to take all those touchdowns, this could be enough for Zach Moss to be um, fairly competent as as a low end RB two. Um, you know, I know a lot of teams need running backs. Um, can't really turn your nose up at that kind of uh, on that offense with Zach Moss. You can't can't really. Uh, uh, poo-poo that. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Kevin, did you have anyone you felt particularly duddish about after week five? Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, I've been riding the uh, LaVisca Chenault train per since March, April. You know, that he, he's just a fantastic receiver. And, you know, the sky was a limit for him. Urban Meyer, you know, looking at his past history with guys – um, that are in that kind of hybrid role, like Percy Harvin, uh, and then going over to like Curtis Samuel, guys like that. Um, so I was really rosy on seeing LaVisca Chenault with Trevor Lawrence, 
uh, at quarterback. And, you know, there was a little bit of ambiguity there with DJ Chark and they brought in Marvin Jones. So now we obviously DJ Chark is out for the season. Um, you know, that offense is kind of in shambles, but with Chark going down, I was totally prepared for at least Chenault to see an increased role in that offense. And we did not see that at all. Um, you know, he just, he, he, he seems to get like that one deep target every week and it's just, it's not enough. And I just don't think they know how to utilize almost anybody in this offense. It's real. it's really befuddling to see LaVisca Chenault running 60% of routes, only get three targets uh, and just catch that one for 58 yards. Um, you know, earning targets on 13%. It's just absolutely befuddling to see um, just a miscarriage of an offense right now in Jacksonville. And, you know, you're, you're targeting Dan Arnold eight times. You're targeting Jamal Agnew eight times, Tavon Austin five times, but you can't find work for LaVisca Chenault or even Marvin Jones only had five targets. So it's just, I'm at wit's end right now. And LaVisca Chenault is one of the highest uh, rostered receivers that I have um, across all, all my leagues and just not getting any return out of them. Absolutely not. It's, it's, uh, Asta LaVisca time. That's for sure. Uh, oh. just getting, getting him over to the bench. <laughs> Pretty much. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and get to our surprises now uh, as i've said before and especially with it being october the surprise can be positive it can be negative it can be a little bit of a trick or a treat uh mine is definitely going to be a treat that i got early i got it on thursday night it was robert woods uh robert woods was nothing short of like amazing on thursday night football it, it was literally the robert wood show and you know there's a few other players here too uh i don't know how many i don't know what the official numbers kevin you can probably correct me on that but he he went ham and i kind of i've been having him i've been waiting <laughs> i wish i had him in in all of the leagues that i was in because i was like ah where do i how much do i chance it again because like playing him and it keeps not being great and then it was like oh here's this flood of robert woods just being amazing yeah i mean and robert woods i mean i've been telling everybody that there's no reason to worry about robert woods i mean the only reason that he hasn't looked great was because cooper cup was doing so fantastic but i mean 14 targets 12 receptions 30% of the targets on thursday um he's always run north of 85% of routes um, he's always on the field and those are the guys that you want. You want these guys that are running routes that are going to be on the field all the time. And not to mention, they always try to get him going in the rushing game too. He always gets a couple carries a game. Um, so, you know, it was just a matter of time before Robert Woods was able to have hit that kind of game. Um, you know, Cooper cup, wasn't going to be able to command a 36% target share, um, the whole season. That's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. Even Michael Thomas in his 140. 49 catch season had a 31% target share with the saints. Um, Devontae Adams didn't even have had 34%, you know, so 36% is not realistic. It was always going to balance out with Robert Woods and Cooper cup. Um, as far as the other options in that offense, there's nobody else really to take away targets. I mean, Higby is up and down. Van Jefferson runs a lot of routes, but he just does not earn targets. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's not earning targets. Nobody else is. It's really condensed for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And even on a bad, you know, these are these weren't great weeks the first couple of weeks for Robert Woods, but 
every single metric was there knowing that you're going to get this kind of explosion from him sooner or later. And and then we finally got it. Uh, Derek, let's go ahead and stick with the Rams. Who Who is your fantasy surprise for uh, week five? Yeah, so our listeners know my favorite uh, running back of all time, clearly because I keep just running him toward the line. And that's Sony Mich- uh, Mitchell. Uh, Michelle? I'm sorry. I can't. Michelle. I can't Sony talk. Michelle. Michelle. Uh, I, I have harped over and over and over on him. When he came from over from the Patriots, um, I thought he was going to be the uh, – and Cam Akers got hurt. I thought he was going to be the running back. Uh, Henderson turns out to be the, the back in with the Rams. But for Michelle this week, he had 11 for 37 yards and a touchdown, which got me 13 points in my league, um, just enough to get over the uh, the hump for – beating someone by two points. So I'm going to rack it up to uh, to, to Sony that I won this week on that. And because uh, he hasn't given me a whole lot of points the uh, the rest of the time. I think that the, I mean, the big thing for him, I mean, most of the those carries came in the second quarter when Henderson had that stinger on his arm. Um, and I do, I, I mean, McVay came out and said that he was impressive. I do wonder how much... Uh, of the carries he ends up eating away from Henderson who at times looks like fantastic like he has a burst out of the backfield like no other Uh, and then there are times where I think he seems stifled but that offense is clicking in so many different ways that I think it's uh you know there's some points to be found there's some points to be found I I do wonder about the you know whether or not this game is going to be a big takeaway uh, for what to expect from him for the rest of the season. I was just happy to get some points out of him. Yeah, as far as Michelle, I mean, he the only thing is he got 10 out of those 12 touches on that second quarter drive, um, and then he got that touchdown, uh, which was his first green zone touch of the season outside of um, that week three game that Henderson did miss. Um, so, I mean, it does remain to, seen if he, to be seen if he's going to be, um, you know, mixing in with Henderson. Uh, but otherwise Henderson pretty much looked like an every down back there. So I'm just not sure if Hen- Michelle is anything more than a handcuff at this point, but we know he's one of the better handcuffs to have knowing the Rams want to run the ball a lot. I think it's fair. Um, so for this week, for me, uh, I, and you know, this is just to kind of rub the salt in the wound a bit to, to Caleb, who I think dropped him in a couple of leagues. Uh, my surprise would be my boy Marquez Callaway. Uh, finally, you know, I mean, he did very. He had eight targets, only caught four of them, uh, eighty-five yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, this is after one touchdown basically the entire season and no more than five targets uh, in any other game up until this point. Uh, definitely a bit of a surprise when uh, again the, I, I did pick another player that uh, that burnt me. Uh, and I saw him in the flex spot out for the other guy. I was like, mm, okay, well, good, good luck with that one, man. Uh, but yeah, I ate my words. And again, as a Tennessee boy, I was glad to see it. I don't know how sustainable that is. Uh, that offense is just so weird. That offense is just so strange. Um, but, you know, hey, he, uh, if you want to say fantasy surprise, I was very surprised to see how many points he scored uh, by the end of the night. Yeah, I yeah. Really... I mean, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, you. Oh, 
I was just going to say, um, you know, I've been pretty much out on the entire Saints offense outside of Al Camara. Um, I had a little one-night stand with Juwan Johnson in his first game and, um, you know, gets the Packers <laughs> and, you know, certainly got some production out of him there. But, I mean, just everything with Callaway just seems so fluky. He caught that Hail Mary, you know, at the end of the half. He caught that that YOLO, what should have been an interception ball in the game before uh, from Jameis Winston, who that should have, that underhand flip or whatever that was. Um, I mean, he earned eight targets. Just, I can't look at Marquez Callaway without thinking there's just some flukiness going on. Um, I want to see him be able to earn target. You know, when you're catching a Hail Mary, like look at DeAndre Hopkins last year. You know, he high-pointed the football at its highest point before anybody else could get it. Marquez Callaway cradled it like it was a punt return. Um, So it was just really odd to watch, you know, Callaway. I just don't know if the Saints will ever with Jameis Winston trend toward the pass, unless it's just negative game script. They need it. They absolutely need it. But I mean, Marcus Cowley could do worse, you know, as far as a flex guy, but uh, he's just, he's way too boomer bust for me to even put in a lineup. Honestly. That's the reason why I was surprised when, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's a rough one. That's a rough one for sure. Uh, uh, Kevin, before we go over to uh, the matchup question that we have, did you have any anyone else that was kind of a surprise for you this week? Yeah, because I've been... I don't want to say down on him because I just didn't know if he would be able to keep this up. Um, and then Sunday night, you know, he just absolutely balled out. And, you know, I'm finally um, kind of eating crow uh, on Dawson Knox. So... Mm-hmm. Dawson Knox earned for a tight end is an absolutely impressive 90% of routes run um, led the team in air yards on Sunday night, 117 yards. I mean, at some point you just gotta be like, all right, Dawson Knox is going to be a thing. Um, you know, and I was down on not Dawson Knox just because going into the season, you had Josh Allen with all these weapons on the perimeter. And then, the, you know, they tend to play four, a lot of four wide receiver sets. Um, they had all those guys with Sanders, Speasley, Diggs, obviously, and then Gabriel Davis. You were expecting maybe a, a second-year bump for him. But Dawson Knox has been the most, you know, the biggest improvement on this on this Buffalo Bills offense to the detriment of guys like Beasley and Davis, who Davis has been just on a milk carton for the last five weeks. Um, but, you know, at some point, you just got to say Dawson Knox is the top eight tight end right now. If he's getting this type of usage, if he's running these type of routes and earning these targets from um, from roommate Josh Allen, you got to play the roommate narrative here. Um, you know, it, it, it's not noise anymore. You just got to you just got to roll with it. Dawson Knox is I think he's here to stay as far as a top eight option in fantasy. I mean, he looks fantastic. Uh, he saw a vision specialist. He was kind of having some hand-eye coordination. He went and saw a coach in that in the offseason. And, you know, I was going on, you know, other podcasts and just kind of laughing about that and thinking Dawson Knox is just absolute dust. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they can get Marquez Valdez-Scantling to do some of that too so he can catch over half of his targets. I, I would be okay Slide with Slide that. that in there. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah. uh this is the matchup question that we have for the week and it it probably is not the the most beautiful of situations uh but we have three receivers one spot it's a half ppr league we are going uh with either odell beckham jr who has been very 
tough to read in that Browns offense. Uh, we have the uh, aforementioned Duddish LaVisca Chenault. And we have the, is he actually going to be healthy enough to play Julio Jones? Uh, <laughs> which is a Monday night. So we really probably don't want to wait <laughs> to know if he's going to be healthy enough. But the other two options don't leave a whole lot to be desired there uh, as bye weeks are hitting in that league a little bit. Who, who do you guys think you would go with there? Oh, man. Given those options, I'd probably lean to, toward Beckham. I mean, yeah. that Tennessee offense with, with Julio Jones, is it's not right. The only thing that works in that offense right now is Derrick Henry. And apparently Derrick Henry working in the passing game is the second best thing that's working in that offense. So, um, you know, A.J. Brown is just coming back. He's on a snap count. Um, you know, not sure about how they're going to ease him in. Um, obviously love him, but... I don't know if Julio Jones can 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 work in and at least put up a relevant stat line. And then Visco, we talked about him. Um, do I want to trust you know Brian Schott and Hybern Urban Meyer to let the Lavisca Chenault work his magic on the outside? Uh, no, not really. So give me Odell Beckham, who you know has at least looked competent uh, in the last couple of games, and now gets a. a they just put up, you know, for put up forty plus on the Chargers. They play Arizona at home this week. I mean, they're, they're, I could totally see him going, you know, maybe five for sixty-five and a touchdown. Uh, they're going to need to pass a little bit more because we know how explosive the Cardinals are. So, um, I think the clear choice for me uh, is Odell Beckham. I'm in a second, and I, I do think the big thing too is going to be kind of what you hinted at toward the end, is that this should be a game that is relatively high scoring. And so the pressure is going to be there for big plays in the air. And I think that, uh, again, there's just something about Julio Jones. Is I Just coming to that situation, I know like we talked about on the podcast, uh, just the whole kind of Tennessee dynamic that we thought this offense was going to regress. And it's really shown that, you know, I've never been a big Tannehill guy. And I just feel like that offense is, is missing a step. And that step definitely – we thought it was going to be Derrick Henry, but it turns out, you know, he can actually catch. So we, we, just, we just didn't know. We just didn't know. Nobody told us. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, Beckham's probably the, the better option. Yeah, I'll go third uh, with o OBJ. Um, I, I will take the, the known unknown over the unknown unknown. And so uh, I, I know what I can – Get out of OBJ. I don't trust uh, Urban Meyer. Just I, mean, I, I don't trust anybody anywhere like near Jacksonville. Either. Do what? <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. Good point. I don't trust anywhere anyone who lives in Jacksonville. I don't trust anyone who plays for Jacksonville, and uh, anyone who coaches Jacksonville. I don't trust any of them. Hey, so calling out a whole yeah. city, All, a whole city, because that's what. Uh, what the Jaguars have done is uh, not a, not a fan of Florida in the first place. Too hot. Ouch. So I I will go with the uh, the unknown the known unknown and that's OBJ. All right, and uh, let's go ahead and go to our fantasy sleepers this week. Uh, players that we're liking a little bit more than maybe the group think might be, and uh, I'm going to go with the one that. Uh, continues a trend in the Rams offense that we've kind of had tonight. Uh, so I don't think we need to belabor the point, but it's Daryl Henderson. Uh, I saw in some of the rankings that he was down around 
uh, the 12th running back. I feel like he's solidly more than that. I also think that in a game script against the Giants, they're going to lead, and then they're going to feed Daryl Henderson. And so I think Henderson's going to get a fair amount of touches. They're going to be able to run the ball down the Giants' throats. I mean, we just saw the Cowboys do it, and the Rams' offense is at least on par in that same upper tier like the Cowboys. So I think Daryl Henderson is going to get a lot of workload, and I think that he's going to take advantage of it and make the Giants look bad, which they don't need a whole lot of help doing. So uh, Daryl Henderson is is my fantasy sleeper of the week. Uh, Sean, who who do you have there? So I'm going to um, – so this is specifically for PPR, uh, and I'm going to go with J.D. McKissick. So one of the things, and we're going to um, – we're going to talk about this a bit on our... Well, actually, technically, uh, we did talk about it a little bit on our Power Rankings episode. Uh, the Chiefs have been surrendering more yards per play than the greatest show on turf averaged uh, during the 2000 NFL season. Uh, that's bad. That's, that's really, really not good. Uh, and I know he's definitely not uh, a focal point at all in this offense, but I guarantee you he's going to be available like to pick up unless your league is crazy super deep. And I'm expecting him to probably have a very similar uh, snap count and a very similar line to what he's had before, but he should be a lot more productive against this Chiefs offense or Chiefs defense who, who, who can't stop anything like a, a, at all. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, probably, you know, maybe five carries, 20 plus yards, 20 to 30 range, uh, probably four or five grabs. Maybe he gets a, uh, maybe he goes off on like a, a good 20, 25 yard, uh, you know, yard catch something where, you know, in a, in a flex spot, it might be a bit of a surprise if you're in dire straits. Uh, he sucked this season, like as far as like fantasy production goes. Uh, so really, I think this is probably going to be his highest scoring game of the season. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I was not expecting a J.D. McKissick hot take from Sean there. Uh, Derek, who who do you have as your, your fantasy sleeper? So if the Dan Campbell doesn't come for his kneecaps, then I'm taking T. Higgins. Um, all all the looks are on Jamar Chase. Um, they're going to double team him, triple team him, whatever they can do to stop him. And I'm going to make a Brody prediction. Uh, I'm going to say the Bengals are going to be down by two points at the toward the end of the game. Um, the Lions are going to quadruple cover Jamar Chase. Uh, it's Burrow to T. Higgins to get in within field goal range, and the Bengals beat the Lions by one point with a field goal. Poor Lions. Why? Why you got to be so mean to Detroit? <laughs> that would Don't that would require up. Evan McPherson to actually make a field goal, though. <laughs> I mean, he's made uh, some. Seventh time's a charm, right? The eighth time, ninth time. What um, have you done for me lately? Which. Yeah. Who do you have as a sleeper this week, Kevin? Um, I'm going to go with the tight end here. Uh, so uh, 
I, I know he's kind of gotten some flack and he's also sitting in a bit of a talented offense that just uh, with, with Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, we know, you know, Jerry Judy's gone down. We know KJ Hamlet's gone down, but Noah Fant uh, continues to just run a, a crazy amount of routes for this team. And, and I've, if there's been a theme here, it's been guys that maybe aren't, producing to what they should but are getting the utmost opportunity to be able to do so and Noah Fant clearly has that he ran the most routes out of anybody in Denver uh last week and now they're going up against the Vegas Raiders team that you know we don't know is this going to be a weird kind of flux with the whole John Gruden thing um but Denver is going to be at home they're going to be the Vegas Raiders are going to be traveling to Denver um, he only got four targets in 20 yards last week while running 92.6% of the routes. Um, you know, so he's clearly, uh, he got rid of, you know, not didn't get rid of, but Albert Akui Boonham was kind of that thorn in his side as far as running routes, because when Akui Boonham was in there, he was always running about 30, 40% of routes and Noah, Noah Fant was running like 60%. That was kind of the impediment where if you're drafting him as a top nine, 10 tight end, um, that's that's not what you want to see. But well, but Fan is clearly out there. Uh, you know he can go off at any given week. Clearly has the athleticism to do so. Um, I like Denver to kind of put it on the Vegas Raiders this week, and I think no fans can be a big part of that. Um, if you're kind of wavering over some of these tight ends in that range, where you guys got guys like um, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry and guys like that, I think. Uh, or if you lost Logan Thomas, you lost Kittle. Um, no fat might not be out there, but he's probably uh, sitting on a bench or two where he shouldn't be. I think he should definitely be in your lineup. I think he's going to have a really, um, I think he's going to have a top five week this week. Excellent. I, I know Derek's happy to hear that. De- Derek's the resident Broncos fan. I so. really hope the Broncos win this week. Yeah. I, as a, as a fan owner in a best ball league where uh, I also have Kittle, uh, I'm also hoping for the same thing. <laughs> so that is all for this episode. Thank you for listening to our Fantasy Friday as we are excited for what we will get here from week six. Special thanks, of course, to Kevin for joining us. We appreciate uh, you know having a guest come on to the pod and talk with us. As Always, you can interact with us on Twitter at Brody Talk, and you can find our merchandise and all of our various different podcast platforms in our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. So on behalf of John, Derek, and our guest, Kevin, we are signing out. Y'all have a good one. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.